Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinsing, episode 363. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the lead trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 363. I've been on the road for more than a week, and connecting with Slow Flowers members and sponsors has been at the heart of my travel. Before we jump into today's wonderful conversation with a featured guest, I'd like to thank a few folks with shout outs. First, on August 11th and 12th, I was hosted by Christine Hoffman of Twin Cities Flower Exchange in St. Paul, Minneapolis, where I enjoyed a sneak peek into what's in store for attendees of next year's Slow Flower Summit, which is dated July 1st and 2nd, 2019. As I've mentioned in recent weeks, Christine and the TCFE are co-hosting the summit in their wonderful Twin Cities, where the local flower scene is alive, well, thriving, and growing. In addition to arranging for me to visit two of the flower farms that sell botanical harvests through the TCFE, Christine took me to see three potential venues for the summit and where our sessions will take place next summer. We're still trying to choose, but it was wonderful to walk through those spaces in person. It's often quite challenging to manage and plan an event long distance, so this was hugely important. It was a major treat to visit Beezy's Blooms, a Slow Flowers member farm owned by Randy Greiner, and to tour Allison DeRung's Flower Child Farm, both located on beautiful properties north of the metro area of St. Paul. On Sunday afternoon, Christine hosted a meetup-style open house to introduce me to the local floral community, farmers and floral designers who comprise the dynamic change taking place in that community. We tasted signature cocktails with a floral note, of course, sampled butters flavored with petals and herbs to spread on delicious locally grown, locally made bread, <laughs> and munched on local veggies, all part of the festive day. It was inspiring and encouraging. It all took place inside The Good Acre, a certified organic hub for local floral distribution. That place holds state-of-the-art equipment and huge walk-in coolers where, yes, produce from local farms is processed for distribution to school lunchrooms, but where every Wednesday, florists and designers come to shop for flowers from as many as a dozen Minnesota and Wisconsin flower farms. Seeing where it all happens, after hearing Christine's description of the TCFE's home on the Slow Flowers podcast last year, was such a treat. If you attend the Slow Flowers Summit next year during American Flowers Week, you'll be able to experience this exciting new economic model taking place firsthand. 
I said goodbye to the Twin Cities and headed straight to Chicago last Monday, where I spent most of the week attending the annual Garden Writers Association Symposium and Expo. I've been deeply involved in this professional organization. My original tribe, before the Slow Flowers tribe, emerged as another huge part of my life. At the GWA conference, there's a trade show that takes place for two days, where garden and plant vendors exhibit their new products and wares. I joined Hillary Alger and Marcella Sweet of Johnny's Selected Seeds. Johnny's is a sponsor of this podcast and all my Slow Flowers channels, and we came together at the Garden Writers Trade Show. I'm so grateful to them and to Johnny's for bringing the Johnny's resources and message about growing your own flowers to the garden media, editors, writers, bloggers, and broadcasters, my peers. Those folks enjoyed picking up cutting garden plans, all kinds of resources and images, and recipes for floral design that they can use in their columns and posts. And of course, everyone took home seeds. Hillary and Marcella and I spoke with hundreds of garden communicators interested in new story ideas. And we spent one afternoon of the trade show running what we called the Pin on Flower Bar, where we encouraged conference attendees to make their own boutonnieres or corsages. What made this hands-on experience more special was the chance for me to showcase exquisite flowers, herbs, berries, and foliages grown by local Slow Flowers member farms. Thank you to Heidi Joint and Molly Colbelt of Field and Florist, and Beth Barnett of Larkspur, Chicago, all past guests of this podcast for sending us their best. Today's guest, Jeannie McEwen of Bright Flower Farm, also shared her best cuttings. You can see photos of our pan-on floral activities and follow links to those cutting garden resources in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 363. Well, that only took me through midweek, and over the course of five days, I participated in all sorts of garden writers' activities, but being in Chicago also afforded me time for the second Slow Flowers meetup of that week in the Windy City. Last Wednesday night, thanks to Beth Barnett, about 18 of us joined together in her beautiful new Larkspur Chicago studio for an after-hours meetup where we talked flowers, shared personal stories, and enjoyed drinks and bites while making new connections and renewing established ones. I'm so grateful to the many who made the time to attend. Flower farmers who traveled two to three hours into the city for our evening together. Florists who closed busy retail shops or broke away from producing flowers in their studios to come for a special gathering of kindred spirits. Thanks so much to Kath LaLiberty of Longfield Gardens, a sponsor of this podcast, and to Mackenzie Nichols, a writer and floral designer friend from New York, both of whom were in Chicago to attend the Garden Writers Conference with me. They joined me in shopping for food and wine and helped Beth and me get everything set up for the fun evening. It was a great night. Just as I felt leaving the party at the Twin Cities Flower Exchange, it was so rewarding to invest in the time to make face-to-face connections with Chicago's Slow Flowers community. Thanks to all who helped make it happen, and I'm so glad I got to meet you all. I'll have a few photos to share from both events in the show notes for today's episode, but let's quickly pivot to today's wonderful guest, Jeannie McEwen of Bright Flower Farm, based in Stockton, Illinois. As you heard, Jeannie's flowers wowed the garden communicators who made their personal pin on flowers at my conference last week. I have to say the big hit was privet berry in its green form. That stumped a lot of my friends and prompted a number of internet searches on smartphones before we figured out what that beautiful berry was. 
I've known Jeannie since 2012 when we met in Tacoma at the Association of Specialty Cutflower Growers Annual Conference. You'll hear the full story during our conversation, so listen closely about how we met. I've also wanted to host Jeannie on the Slow Flowers podcast for pretty much forever. So once we were in the same city, I had to grab the chance. The morning after our meetup, I met Jeannie for breakfast and then we recorded this conversation to share with you. Let me tell you a little more about this gifted floral entrepreneur. Jeannie McEwen brings more than a dozen years of horticultural experience, passion, and commitment to growing the finest plant materials available. She earned her environmental science degree from Willamette University, a plant pathology degree from Oregon State University, and she is a certified landscape professional. Her working career gave her several opportunities to start businesses for entrepreneurs. In 1996, Jeannie was general manager of Montale Gardens and Wakanda, Illinois and served for nearly two years as nursery operations manager for award-winning Craig Bergman Landscape Design in Chicago before founding her own growing operation. As founder of Bright Flower Farm, she is devoted to providing beauty and fullness of life through her plants and flowers. Growing plants, eating good, flavorful food, and producing a stunning and colorful array of flowers is her passion, and she feels incredibly fortunate to be able to earn a livelihood providing people with all of these things. You'll gain volumes from our conversation, I promise. We had a fabulous reunion, and even though I've interviewed Jeannie in the past for other projects, I learned a lot more from her during this interview. She's such a fascinating and experienced flower farmer, and she's incredibly open in sharing her insights with you. You'll hear that. Visit DebraPrinzing.com to see photos and find links and more resources to Jeannie's flower-filled world. Oh, and there's a bonus. I mentioned during our interview that the two of us met in 2012. One of the outcomes of that time together during the ASCFG meeting was Jeannie bidding on a chance to be interviewed by me for a feature story. She's given me permission to share that story, which is titled Illinois Blooms for Midwest Faces. It's now posted on the Bright Flower Farm website, and it was incredibly fun to write, and I think you'll find it fascinating to read. So follow that link at deborahprinting.com. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to welcome my guest, Jeannie McEwen of Bright Flower Farm in Stockton, Illinois. Hi, Jeannie. Hi. Hi. I'm so, so glad to be here. I can't tell you how oh. excited I am. Oh, I am too. It's And we're not on the phone. We're in, in the same room. Real real thing, you know, old-fashioned talking <laughs> yes. to one another. Yes, exactly. And this is, the, this is kind of a fun reunion. I happen to uh, be in Chicago for the Garden Writers Conference, and... Um, we had a wonderful meeting, a gathering last night. Of yeah, it was nice. The Slow Flowers community. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And and Jeannie, you're not in Chicago, so what was the distance to get, get to bring, come into? It's to about break a three-hour drive. Um, wow. A couple hours to the airport, and then an hour into the city. Into the city, yeah. So you're yeah. west of the city. We're west. We're in the northwest corner of Illinois. We're about 40 minutes from the Mississippi River and 10 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Wow. In the Driftless area. It's very pretty out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I remember you describing that to me. I would love to get out there someday. You need I, to. You need to come. Well, uh, Jeannie and I first met, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in 2012. Right. Uh, right. When ASCFG had a conference in Tacoma. Right. As I recall, there was a like barn dinner up yeah. in Skagit Valley. It was beautiful. It was. Yeah. And um, 
an auction took place. Oh, and, and so much giggles and laughter. Yeah, as I say, a little too much wine, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and I had donated in some naive sense of, like, what can I give back to this organization? I had donated a... I would write... I would interview you, interview the bidder, and write an article about the bidder. Right. And you were one of the people who bid on that. Right. And Dave Dowling turned it into three. Yes. <laughs> that yes. was just amazing. I know. And it was fun. It was it was you. It was Bright Flower Farm, uh, Rita Anders from Cuts of Color in Texas, and um, Polly Hutchison of oh, Robin right. Hollow right. in Rhode Island. And it, But it was a joy because I got to connect with all three of you established kind of leaders in cut flower growing and uh, we did an article that I think this is sort of pre before I had any kind of online presence yeah, for Slow Flowers. Yeah. Um, so I think it lived on your website. It, it lives on my website, yeah. I never really published it. And, well, well this is going to be our do-over then. <laughs> there we go. Um, and then sometime after that, then I remember speaking at the Chicago Botanic Garden, but it was kind of winter. It was winter. Right? Yeah, and I was supposed to talk about Slow Flowers, and I'm like, or the 50-mile bouquet or something, and I was thinking, what can I visually it what can it visually illustrate right. the local farming community and you saved my farmers. ass <laughs> i know scented geraniums i think brought lavender maybe some uh blooming african blue basil i don't remember what but all it was all out of your greenhouse oh yeah because it was yeah. maybe more. rosemary was yes. blooming yes. yeah yeah i rem- i can vividly remember being in that room at the chicago botanic garden and people's response like wow this this is winter and it's growing locally and that right. was fun. Right. Uh, so here we are uh, reconnecting, and so much has happened. Right. And I want to introduce you to the greater um, community. And I think many people who are in ASCFG know you, mm-hmm. and people in the Chicago community know you. But um, you, you've created a beautiful model of a business, and it hasn't been easy. No. And <laughs> I'm just wondering, can you describe, what? give us a snapshot of Bright Flower Farm. Uh, you talked about where it is, mm-hmm. how big is it, and, and what is kind of... What does your what does your year look like? What do you grow? So we're on the, the farm itself is on a, a little bit less than four acres, and then I lease uh, another full half acre um, north, just into Wisconsin border. So, as I said last night, my logo says "grown in Northwest Illinois and South." southwest wisconsin <laughs> you know um, and that's so funny because like the plants don't care it's no the branding is- it's the branding you know <laughs> it, it in fact in that 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 article that you wrote about me it's all you know your story your story it's like okay fine i have to talk out loud you know <laughs> um what well, you know well let's put a link to that in the show notes oh, okay uh, so people can come read that and then compare what See you what said we, in yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> maybe i've been telling the same story for for six years <laughs> Um, anyway, so we have about two acres of flowers, about, mm-hmm. um, all cut up into little different parcels. Um, we have four houses, two of them heated. And how big are they roughly? Oh, they're all about nine, they're all about 30 by a hundred. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's so they're good houses. Um, two of them are screened with insect screen to keep, we, we grow in the middle of uh, corn and bean country. So we have a lot of corn beetle pests, Japanese beetles. Anyway, these screenhouses keep the bugs out, and they're, they're, it works really I've well. I've never heard anybody do that before. No, that was my brainchild. Wow. Um, yeah, well, everyone has screen porches on their houses, right? Right, right. and you can get insect screening um, 
you know, if they don't know how to find it, they can get in touch with me. But is it like on a roll or something? And you yeah, you buy it by the foot, and it comes in two different widths, uh, six and a half feet or thirteen and a half feet. And I just figured out how much I need, and you can get it as small of a mesh to keep thrips out. Um, but that's kind of a misnomer because thrips. Uh, lay their eggs in the soil and come right back up again. So, you know, they're going to be there no matter what. Wow. But it keeps um, all kinds of aphids out. And and they use it all over the world. So Brilliant. it's something, yeah. My husband at one time said that we needed to have one of those, you know, those cloches that, that, that you put over a picnic? Yes. You know, the, the netting to keep the flies farm. out. Yeah, <laughs> over the farm. <laughs> or like when you're, uh, I don't know, in India at a, on a retreat and there's the thing over your You bed. sleep over, <laughs> yes, a netting. Yeah, that's what we need over the farm. Mosquito you know, netting. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, we grow the... the um, we, so to start, we start, our, we start harvesting late March okay. with ranunculus, okay? So if we started our season in March... Um, and Which you've planted in December. Yeah, but let's okay. okay yeah. So okay, we could start whenever. You know, no. it's like that's the thing with this I'm business. Sorry it never stops. We'll but, start in March. Okay. okay, if we start in March cutting, um, the last couple of years I've actually been able to make Easter. So Easter and Mother's Day, I can now have flowers for, which is wow. great. Yeah. Um, you know, the problem with uh, most of us growing cut flowers is that we have all of our flowers when. Florists don't have, you know, non-flower. Yeah, you know, the flower, the biggest flower holidays are February and and maybe May. May, yeah, yeah. and, and Easter's in there somewhere, right? But it's hard to have flowers, right? You're then June comes along and you might have wedding flowers. stuff, yeah. but you know. Anyway, so we start with ranunculus poppies and uh, what else? Anemones. Anemones, exactly. And this year I'm going to. Uh, Hopefully have Campanula and like Chantilly snaps, group okay. one snaps. Wow. Um, we so have, pretty. yeah. So we'll have quite a bit starting first part of April, um, and then you know the summer flowers get started planting immediately. So sowing starts in actually November. Lysianthus yeah. and Campanula and that kind of thing will start in November. Um, I have a greenhouse, so I can I have plenty of space to do. We we grow. I sow almost everything except now I've. It is far more lucrative to buy in plugs of lisianthus because they just are such slow growing and so demanding. That's what I've heard, and and yeah. if you can, you can grow them from seed, I do grow some from seed because uh-huh. there are some varieties. Um, you were talking about some yummy varieties. Last well, time. there's a variety that I learned about from Doug Trout up in Minneapolis mm-hmm. area. Um, it's a red nightingale. Oh my God, it's gorgeous! But um, tall, really, but. You know, again, you have to grow it from seed, so okay. it's it's a pain in the neck. But anyway, we do, you know, just all the standards, always looking for new things. Um, in the greenhouses, though, we we have a lot. We always have rosemary and scented geraniums and lavender, and we do a lot of herbs, mints, and uh, lemon verbena, and, um, you know, just to have different foliages. I tried one oh. of those new um, container... Uh, or oregano's, mm. you know, just to have different, because mm-hmm. the, the florists are always looking for something different. Mm-hmm. We've grown tomatoes for... Like cherry tomatoes. Cherry on the tomatoes, vine. Yeah. and we, we um, you know, the, the black, the indigo series, we, we cut them green, and they just love them. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So, 
So anyway, sunflowers, I was just, we were just talking about sunflowers. I now have stock in organza bags because <laughs> we have to cover everything from beetle, you know, oh, from... honey. Yeah. It's So it's you're insane. covering the, most people are doing, covering their dahlia We do flowers. the dahlias yeah. um, because we basically grow organically. Okay. We were certified organic for many years um, when we grew, we grew a lot of vegetable and herb starters for grocery stores. And when I stopped doing that a year or so on, I, you know, it just wasn't worth all of the headache because of the two farms, the, the one in Stockton was certified organic and then the one in Wisconsin was not. And we mixed the flowers and it made the auditor's head spin. It right. was like, how am I going to get my money for all of this, you know, contaminated flowers? And so. by this time also, your established customers already understand how organic you are. They right. They need the certification, no, per se. No, no. Okay. And nobody eats flowers. Yeah. Well, there's edible flowers, yeah. but, you know, you're not eating flowers. So anyway, we still grow very organically. Um and I don't use the nasties. So yeah. in order to protect the dahlias and the sunflowers, um, you know, we've, we bag them. How wow. silly is that? And this is, we've talked about your, your greenhouses. This is, these are your field yeah. crops. And well, and, and the, the, the screen houses were in an in a, uh, attempt to keep the insects off the dahlias. Oh, okay. That was, yeah. And it worked, except for that particular house was low and it flooded. Mm. So two years in a row, I had, in fact, two years ago, I, um, the dahlias were just all budded. I had just put them on the availability. I had orders up the yin-yang and they flooded with one of these, you know, we, we get regular 100-year floods. Because you're so close to the rivers. No, because we're in the Midwest and... Oh, the rain. The rain. Oh, just a big storm. If they just... It, yeah. Just we, dump you know, down on you. Exactly. Oh, you no. get, you get, you know, we got the other couple of weeks ago, we got three, almost three inches of rain in 20 minutes. Two and a half inches of rain. Oh my it, God. That's like oh, it's biblical. In, it is. It is. And it doesn't soak in. It just runs through. And this particular house was in a sink and it... You know, we've raised the soil level, and so we didn't have any flooding this year. But anyway... Did you um, lose your tubers then? Everything went down. Oh, honey. Wow. And and I've seen this before. They turn gray. I mean, they're choked. Yeah. They're not water plants, you right, know? Right, right. They turn gray. They wilt. And, um, you know, all my staff say, oh, they'll be fine, Jeannie. They'll be fine. I said, get them out of there. I don't want to look at them. Yeah. Cut them down. Yeah. The water cannot drain fast enough. No. Yeah. Cut them down. I don't have to look at them. I will be happy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So the idea of, so you kind of have some protection in that screened greenhouse, but also you grow out in the Right. Field. So we don't do the dahlia. We have we had stock in there this year that mm. was gorgeous. So we, anyway, we put dahlias out in the field, mm. which is higher ground and very well drained, and they're all bagged. Yeah. And so on a given dahlia plant... You're, you'll have what ten? Stems, it depends right? on the flower, but um, yeah, you could have more than that. We have, a, and I don't, I don't fill my head with names of of varieties. Varieties. Yeah. I, I, I have too many other things in my head. Yeah. So I, I always can't say tell that you. to my children. There's more data than bandwidth here. So. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Be selective. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, when you look at that dahlia, you know a yeah, lot about we it. We have this lovely lavender pink uh, decorative dahlia that has 
They, it, it could have 15 blooms on it at once. And know? are every one of them meshed? or Every it... single one of Jeez. them. I must have a thousand organza bags. Jeez, that's a lot of labor. Oh, it's insane. And you know, what's, what's really interesting is I used to, I used to, you know, there's four of us that cut and I create a spreadsheet every Sunday so that on Monday and Tuesday, we know what we cut, what farm, and we initial who cut, you know, how many, who, where it goes and that whole thing. And I used to immediately put my name on the dahlias because I wanted to go cut the dahlias. Because you kind of thought that's your that's my prize thing. crop. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now I don't even care. It, it's like I don't even want to go over there with all those damn bags. Because when you, do you take the You, you have cut? to take the bag off yeah. and then you have to stick it in your pocket or you have to stick it on the floor <laughs> and, you know, or... Because um, you're going to reuse it, but you exactly, don't want to get dirty. Right. Or, or I just cut them with the bag and take the bags later, you know. So I just give it to Sarah who... Who, you know, in years past would say, she's so slow. Yep, she is so awesome and careful and particular and, you know, and anal. It's like, go do it, Sarah Bear. When you, when you pull that ribbon off, you open the ribbon and, and pull that mesh bag off, is there any damage or risk of damage? Or do you, um, like- you know, there is if you put too small of a bag on them. So oh. I've got many sizes of bags. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> so the dinner plates get the... I think XXL. <laughs> oh my gosh, nine by twelve. <laughs> right. Um, we've had Japanese beetles perched on the outsides of the bags. Those little bastards. Oh my god. Oh. Well, I was surprised when we were having breakfast that you are mesh bagging your white sunflowers oh, or a pale, yes. pale buttercream or whatever. Yes, yes. It's those uh, white light, white night that everybody was saying are so awesome. Um, they. The bugs, when the, when the bud is completely green and absolutely tight closed, they still go in that little hole and have chewed the petals before you can even see that claw shape. Right. So and no, no color is cracked at all. No color yeah. whatsoever. It's all green. So when I noticed that, I went through and sprayed the night before. This was just a couple days ago because, you know, once suns come in, they're, they're bang, bang, bang. you got to go cut them once or twice a day. Mm-hmm. So I sprayed with a pyganic what the is night that? before. It's a pyrethrin uh-huh. and it, it, it's only good for a couple hours. You want to spray in the evening or early in the morning before the pollinators are out. And it kills on contact, okay. so it's not anything that's going to linger. Right. So it's not, it's 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 a good choice. Good choice, yeah. but it's not a great choice. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. It's, but you're selectively. But so treating. I was able to kill everything that was on the plants, and then the very first thing the next morning, I had um, a, a young woman bag. I showed her what stage, and she spent two hours just bagging them. Wow. And uh, so then, actually, some of them I ended up having to throw away because it, it was they were too late, yeah. you know, but uh, we have gotten some. Well, I this maybe is a good segue to ask about your market because my comment when you told me about the sunflowers is, wow, a, a sunflower, the price per stem of a sunflower is less than the price per stem of a dahlia, I'm guessing. Exactly. And so that's a lot of labor for a sunflower, and you said... Well, if people people love my sunflowers, they'll pay the price. So, yeah, yeah they do. Um, we use them. A, we use a lot of them in bouquets, um, and we. I probably won't be growing 
you know, I get a midge also on sunflowers. Mm. I mean, it's, it's just... So it's always... You're it's re- always something. You're so, reevaluating whether exactly, you grow it or not. Yeah. Growing. But anyway, our market is... Um, the biggest market is in Chicago. We sell to regularly to several Whole Foods grocery stores. Um, we sell cases of flowers. And then we sell to several florists with shops and then some event designers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that Chicago market is probably three quarters of our business and then mm-hmm. I also belong to Fairfield Flowers mm-hmm. which is a cooperative of several different growers in and around Madison and we market um, in Madison and Milwaukee thus your little dip over the, the state border right exactly yeah um, you know I just wanted to mention when we did that story back in 2012 I asked you you were selling to Whole Foods back then right and right. that was pretty pioneering very few people had cracked right, that, cracked that right. code and I asked you to introduce me to your buyer, and it was Stacy Carlton. Oh, yes. And we have remained friends, and I had her on the podcast last oh, nice. year. Oh, nice, nice. Because she was the spokesperson for AIFD, and we reminisced right. about yeah, how much she nice. loved your flowers. And Stacy's back in, in Chicago, Chicago yeah. now. She was in uh, San Diego or, or Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara yeah. for a while. Yeah. yeah. And she actually, I think it was last year or the year before, brought um, a group of just it was so much fun probably 10 or 12 different floral designers from chicago we had an absolute blast they came out to bright Flower. yes they did for a wow. tour and it was on a wednesday when we do all of our production so all of them got a chance to build mason jars they were the most expensive mason jars we ever <laughs> shipped out because <laughs> you're getting like these high oh gosh <laughs> some of them had lisianthus dahlias you know you name it they were all in these mason jars but they had a blast it was just delightful we had a nice lunch and wow yeah it was do you do fun. that often or i know it's a special draw you know it draws away from you know else. i like it when they come out it's um it, it it takes me away, yeah. you know, because I'm one of the staff for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, it's when when I'm not working, they're shorthanded. Yeah, you're side by side with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but that's sort of uh, a willingness to have florists, especially they're your one of your cu- major customers. Oh, exactly. to Get them on the farm. Exactly. So you know that example of you hosting florists to come. That was kind of a personal connection and a favor. Right. Right. Do, you, do other events? You know, we've started. We've talked about having a farm to table kind of a thing mm-hmm. and having florists out. Um, I sell. One of my good customers is Flowers for Dreams, which has a similar model to as um, Farm Girl Flowers, yes, yes. and there's others you know like that. Um, and they're actually coming Friday morning to do a photo shoot uh, at sunrise. Yes. And they're thinking about having a farm tour because yeah. they they like to promote local flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, part of their branding. That's then. part of their yeah. branding. It's kind of hard to do that in Chicago, you know. Yeah. But they're they're trying. So so we don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just don't have enough. Of me, <laughs> to, so to put true. it all together. It's so true. And it's a long ways. You know, it's three hours and three hours back. Right. And if you were like maybe 90 minutes exactly. out of the city, it would be a little bit easier. It's just, it's you know, people, they say, I'm going to come out. It's like, oh, it's only two hours. It's like, no, it's not. It's yeah. three. So when you're delivering, how do you handle that then? How do you move flowers from uh, Stockton into Chicago. Have Is a, it you? No, it's oh. uh, Chase, who's been with me for 10 years now. Wow. Chase and his brother Shane. Um, and he delivers. He knows the florist. They all know him by name. Um, 
He's just got the biggest smile in the world, and um, he takes really good care of the flowers. Takes excellent care. Um, yeah. Takes care of the the van. He's just thorough. He's there. There's no dust that settles on that guy's tail. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, he's um, he's just a model employee. So you really you really have to create the job and train the person, and then yeah. give yeah. him. You know, I mean, hopefully if that he'll stay with you. Otherwise. You'll start over again, right? Oh, it would be bad. Yeah. You know, there's a few people who I've said personally, if they leave, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) And Chase is one of them. You know, there's just, he's, uh, I don't have to worry. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, a big commitment too for delivering, but that seems to be the only way to get product from the farm to the market. You have to provide delivery. Yeah. If he can't, then I do. Yeah. And um, it's... You know, because the the grocery stores have very strict receiving hours. Oh. So in order to be efficient, you know, we have to be... be, 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 be dot, yeah. dot through everything. Exactly. And how many, how many Whole Foods are you selling to? Uh, about four or five okay. regularly. And you're dealing and then, directly with the Yeah, we're manager. direct store di- delivery instead of through the distribution yeah. center. Yeah. You made another comment I wanted to follow up on. And it was something about you... you deliver boxes of flour so how are how are the is there are there many categories like the mason jars straight bunches um we uh, i I said cases oh cases Um, okay when we when we delivered through the dc we had to box them okay literally box them but we deliver cases so it's 10 bunches uh whether it's 10 uh consumer bunches of three to five stems Uh or five five to seven Mm -hmm. stems of the same thing or mixed bouquets Mm -hmm. Um, and then we do cases of dahlias and cases of zinnias. And are they in water? Yes, they're okay. always in water. And oh, okay. so actually all of our, and I think it was Stacy that mentioned, uh, you know, years ago, our flowers are always in water. Okay. They're cut, put in water, so that, uh, you know, they go right water the column, flow. exactly, the water column is never really broken. Mm-hmm. When did you add the mason jars? A couple years ago, I was in the Lincoln Park store and talking with the florist there and saw some nasty little mason jars from I don't know where, you know, yeah. south of the border. And um, I saw they were retailing for like 10 or 11 bucks. And so easy, you know, divide it in half and you see what, about exactly yeah. what. And I said, um, Rachel, we could do these. You want some? She said, absolutely. So we just started doing mason jars. Wow. And now... This year, we are already on our third pallet of cases <laughs> oh my God. of pint mason jars. And every year, I get frustrated and say, we need more money. I bump the price up, and it doesn't make a difference. And they, they, they still take them. Wow. Well, they're probably... And also, the nice thing about the mason jars is... It's grab no, and go. They, yeah. you know, And especially, you know, these downtown stores, they take them and put them right on their desk at work. Right. You know? And from your point of view, there's no recipe... No, we don't. This is a funny, funny story about recipe. That same florist um, who's always been our Lincoln Park store has always been our biggest customer. Um, She would, you know, they buy four, five, six, eight cases of flowers a week. Wow. Okay. And our bouquets are all um, unique. Yeah. You know, we might do two or three of the same in, in one case. So, so at I, a glance, you see that they're all different. They're all different. Okay. So um, I had this one employee years ago who was very, very slow and just really wasn't, it wasn't her thing. But mm-hmm. she was such a dear and I love her to death still. So I thought, you know, what if I make it easy for her and I come up with a formula? Mm-hmm. And I did and she was delighted 
And we sent the flowers out, and Rachel called me and said, Jeannie, I had to shrink three cases of your flowers. And I'm going, oh, my God. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, because I, I never get those calls from Whole Foods. What happened? She said, you know, they were so formulaic. <laughs> How? At least you can articulate why, Exactly. And so I went like, okay then, you know, we're not going to do that again. Oh, goes the recipe. (laughs) That is, yeah. They looked like, you know, regular old Whole Foods bouquets. Very cool. What a great compliment. It was. It really was. So So when your product goes into Whole Foods, is it um, branded Bright Flower Farm? It is. And how do you do that? Uh, we have a great sticker, yeah. and my logo is just—I love my logo. Orange and lavender. Isn't I know, it? I, I know. It. it was. It came to me in a dream, literally. It did. It did. What, I mean, what came first, the name or the the visual? The visual. Okay, and it was like a sunrise or something. Or? It's you know what it is. It's a <laughs> literally, it was an apple moved on top of a of a sunflower or a flower, mm, mm. and the designer who created it for me gave it to me in Kelly green and red. And I went like, ugh. I said, mm-hmm. let's do, you know, my colors are purple and orange and, yeah. you know, cream. And You're a California girl. <laughs> I am. And it was just, you know, it's like it. Yeah. So that um, that sticker is on the sleeves. Yeah. And, okay. yeah. And, and it um, says Bright Flowers Farm, stocked in Illinois, grown in northwest Illinois, southwest Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that's all I mean, it that's, says. And that's what Whole Foods really, they probably care more about that to satisfy their customers than if it says certified organic. I know they sell lots of certified yeah, organic, yeah. but for flowers, they're there a little is bit... a big local part yeah. of of Whole Foods, yeah. which is which is good. Yeah, yeah. And you were saying that there's just it takes a little extra work to sell to them, but in your you've you've figured that out. I figured it out. It does. It is not for the faint-hearted. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have, you know, extra insurance, and you know you have to have your own UPC code, but. Uh, and there's a, you know, a rating system that you have to fill out, and you have to understand purchase orders, and you have right. you know that whole thing. You have to go in the back door and understand right. that whole thing. Right. But, um, it's not it's, just about the pretty flowers. No. No. It, but it's very relational still for you. It is You're for doing me. Store to store, right. Right. buyer to buyer. Right. And I have dealt with other stores in the Chicago area, and I don't sell to them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's. I don't know, a couple dozen stores yeah, in this you area. You find the ones that, that get you. Right, right. I agree. I mean, it's so much work to sell, to grow and sell flowers. You don't want to have to, well, you want everything to, to be successful at the store level. Right. Yeah. Right. I want them to be gone. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have a good customer anymore if my flowers, are, they have to throw them away on Monday. Right, right. So oftentimes, I mean, I love it when a, when a florist says, can I have three cases instead of two because they're gone by Friday Wow! when they arrive on Thursday. And these are your retail f- yeah. floral customers. And yeah. are they pretty much, um, are they specifying on their orders or do they give you just a price a price? No, they, I give them what's called an order guide okay. of what I'm offering. Um, we also do succulents and then I have one of my uh, customers, one of my stores takes succulents every week. Okay. Yeah. And are they like in flats or? No, we do gardens. We do mixed gardens. Oh. Yeah. Oh, like so in clay bowls. pots. Oh, okay. in clay pots. So, yeah, we're on our second pallet of clay pots too. <laughs> <laughs> what's you know again a California girl and what started by taking stuff back in my suitcase from visits to San Jose has now morphed into this you know well a lot of succulents. Yeah, and the fashion of succulents. Right. 
is more still a novelty in the Midwest, right? Or am I, I don't know if it's a novelty, but it's certainly um, a steady. I yeah. mean, it's 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 people are still fascinated by them. They still like them, and especially the the particular store that takes them every week. These people don't have um, they they barely even have a balcony, mm. and you know the the love of plants and dirt goes deep right. and long. Right. So. And the the clay pot is ready to go. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Wow. So, and we decorated with little uh, glass gems. I uh, <laughs> started out with beach glass, uh-huh. you know, and um, I get it from this company. It's called Close the Loop, and it's recycled glass. And she, you know, probably acid and tumbles it somehow. Right. But stresses uh, it. Mm-hmm. And I we go through a whole you top bunch of it. that. Yeah. So they're all glittery. So you're a bit of a designer, Jeannie. Little bit, little bit. <laughs> so um, I, this kind of gets me to um, my other question I wanted to ask you about your professional journey. Um, growing is something that you did long before you were um, right. a farmer, per right. se. Uh, you came out of horticulture, didn't you? Right. I have a master's in plant pathology. I actually am a nematologist. Okay. Yeah. So wow. I my thesis was on plant parasitic nematodes. What did you think you were going to do? Teach? No idea. Okay. I, I go through the world, you know, through my life by the seat of my pants. <laughs> yeah. You make it look easy. <laughs> Uh, no idea. Um, I I got a I I got a job. Yeah, uh, you know, t- like a teaching I, assistant, re- research assistant. Yeah. I got my my master's paid for. So oh, sure, why you not? Know, uh, I was a worm herder, mm-hmm. and um, you know, got married and had kids and started working. And my business career was starting businesses for entrepreneurs. And I had some great mentors learning how the finances and talking to bankers and all of that. And I loved it. Wow. I, I'm a Mary, I, I'm the puppeteer. I love the operational, mm-hmm. you know, and I was in, uh, three different situations, two situations where I was able to start businesses from zero and bring them up to, you know, over a million dollars and wow. hand them off to somebody and then go do something else, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, and then, I so started you get bored. I, no, I don't yeah. like to get bored. And yeah. I then I started my own. And let me tell you, it is much easier to start businesses with other people's money than <laughs> than your own. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's uh, I I I love looking at the numbers and figuring out where we are this year from last year. I'm not afraid to. You know, we did the starter plants. I didn't like that anymore. We did the distribution center. I didn't like that anymore. So you're always evaluating exactly. Um, and, and I feel like that is, um, it's, it's, it seems to be forgotten and, and maybe the last thing a lot of people do because it's not the pretty. And, but I, I run into so many young farmers who are like, I don't know what I should charge for this. I'm like, well, how do you not know what you should charge for this? Because right. you know what you spent, you should know what you spent to grow it. And I, I, you probably do a lot of that analysis. Yeah. It, you know, there's, there's also what the market will bear. You yeah, know, you do. Two forces, it, right. There's two forces, and um, you know, my market is very different than the St. Louis market, which is different than the Seattle market. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're getting twelve dollars to fifteen dollars a bunch for dahlias, and Seattle gets what three? Yeah, you because know, it's more. Um, well, they grow flooded, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, they grow easy there. We, yeah. you know, they're they're harder to grow here. So it's more um, of a, a more of a specialty. Exactly. Really specialty. Right. Crop. Right. Yeah. They don't interesting sh- ship. Um, but yeah, you're, you're constantly evaluating and, 
you know, there's... You need to have a plan. Yeah. You definitely need to have From, a, a plan of what it is that you want to do. Um, the cut flowers, I... I knew I needed to leave the last job that I had, and um, I happened to be in a Barnes and Noble store, which they don't even exist anymore. But um, and the uh, Lauschman Armitage uh, specialty cut flowers book just kind of fell into my lap and off the shelf. Off the shelf. Sat there, and I was hooked. Uh, wow. That's that's what I was going to do next. Wow! But you've done horticulture related. Oh yes, things, so yes. You knew the growings didn't scare you. Right. My first, my very first business was called Bunches of Happiness, and I turned my backyard into a business, and I cut um, my. You know, I had a we had a big yard, thirty You're like of an a acre, suburban Chicago. Yeah, no, it's actually yeah, north north oh, okay. suburbs, um, and I cut the. I had a big, huge perennial garden perennials and shrubs and stuff and um yeah cut flowers and sold it in a little open air italian market in lake forest oh my gosh yeah so you've come kind of full circle yeah yeah um so that book kind of it sounds like seeing that made you realize you could scale up and exactly. do a real right not that's, just that's, a, a backyard business that's what i wanted to do and i started the herbs and 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 vegetables because i knew i had to extend the season so that started sales in April mm. and then um, the flowers would take over mm-hmm. um, and you know season extension up this far north is extremely important right it's very important right and for so many reasons but also just to be consistent with your customers well exactly so they're exactly. not forgetting you during right? the winter right? Right. Yeah. right so we actually sell I have December sales of succulents and January sales of succulents and then you know it's then you can go right into the renunculus right Right. So here we are. The season is still kicking. You've got probably, what, eight more weeks of harvesting. At least, yeah. Because you've got the greenhouses. Right. Um, How do you, when do you kind of, like, in your mind shift to 2019? Like, are you already planning for 2019? Oh, yeah. I've already bought my ranunculus. Um, I'm I'm soon to place my lily order. Because I do lilies for focal flowers in off times. Okay. You know? Because they're more... You can get a, a steady crop all exactly, exactly. Okay. They're they're pre cooled and yeah. you know they're they, you know when they're going to bloom exactly yeah. right within a, a few days yeah yeah, um, and then uh, I have a couple different flower growers that the two of us talk constantly, Mima and Barb mm-hmm. um, Greenstone and Urban Buds um, constantly talk every day um, about good things bad things what are you going to grow and so we're already starting to talk about you know what's new and what are we Mm going to try and Mm -hmm. then like last night seeing in um larks for beth's shop the salpiglossus i you know why not try it you know that i think she's growing she is it was in her yeah long stems yeah interesting i did see that in her cooler yeah yeah, it's funny because um, you must always, like, you know where your income performers are. Right. But you always have that maybe trial bed. Right, where right, right. You know, you've got to have something fun and new. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. one year we did, because I always, I have one starter plant customer, Comer, um, the Gary Comer Youth uh, Foundation or school, it's in the south side of Chicago, Um and we, I always grow a contract of vegetables and stuff for them, and they always want certain herbs. So I have to buy herbs from Hillcrest, mm-hmm. and I have to get a, a full box. So I always try new things. Mm-hmm. 
one year we had this Cuban oregano, the leaves are... Oh, right, yeah. And the florist just devoured it, right. you know? So we always have something different. Okay, yeah. okay. Something fun. That's exciting. Um, you're... Uh, You've worn, you've tried a lot of things on, and then chose what to specialize in. And I feel like maybe I want to end by asking for your advice about how do you know what's essentially your brand, and what, like, how do you? There's so many choices offered to you of what to grow or how to sell and all, and it's really easy to chase all those shiny objects. And like, there is this discipline required to pull back and say that's right for me, that's this one, but this isn't right for me, and. Like, how do you do that? Do you, having these fr- other colleagues that you talk with all constantly probably helps? Like yeah, a- and I think the business background certainly helps. You know, what's, I, I teach a lot of classes, and we teach the Wisconsin Growers yeah, School let's talk all the that. time. Yeah. And I always do the business unit. Okay, and this and is the Wisconsin Cut Flower. Yeah, the Wisconsin Cut Flower Growers School. Um, John Hendrickson from the Center of Integrated Agricultural Studies puts it on. It's always, um, like the third week of weekend of February, but I always do the business unit, and I have no problem sharing my spreadsheet okay. or my my um, income statement, yeah. and explaining it, um, and then I also do like top ten flowers, mm-hmm. and it's not. I mean, it's what you grow the most of, obviously, but it's also what comes easiest, what the florists want the most. And um, and fine tuning the systems. So there's you know, all these variables. Exactly. Yeah, there's okay. systems involved too. All of the little, you know, we do a lot of bouquets, so you have to have a lot of little bits of this and that to make them really interesting. But it's the ranunculus, the anemones, the poppies, the um, the face flowers. The face yeah. flowers. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's also not afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 pair up with the experts. Early on, I paired up with Joe Schmidt. Mm-hmm. I saw that is somebody that's close to me, and he is a rock star mm-hmm. in the business. He's like the, the godfather of cut flower growing in the Midwest, right? He, third generation. Yeah. He was born with it, yeah. you know? So why not saddle up to somebody like that? Not afraid to make mistakes and ask questions of the... Um, the, the the sellers, yeah. you know, the, the, the guys that, the guys from Holland, yeah. you know? Yeah. Why, you know, if, if he says plant it nine inches apart, well, damn it, spread them out then, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and take your licks when, you know. So yeah. you really have to ask the questions and um, before you dive in and spend your money. Right. <laughs> you know? And then, and then it also, I feel like in today's sort of internet uh, age of the Instagram and Pinterest sort of fantasies of flower farming. Yeah, exactly. There's this such an, an a sense that you can become an overnight success or an overnight sensation just if you have enough followers on Instagram. And I feel like there probably is a lot of broken hearts uh, oh, or sure. just, you know, people who realize it's so much work. It is this, so much work. You could and go, you have you, to love yeah. working hard. Yeah. You have to love working hard. Um, and... Constantly. It's it's always. It's like having two toddlers constantly pulling at you. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> woe is the poor farmer that has two toddlers, you know. <laughs> Why not wait <laughs> until they're older? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You kind of uh, you kind of have a rearview mirror for that one. Yeah. Right, yes, yes. Yeah, you know, um, it, there's so much fulfilling, um, so much satisfaction about being involved in, in anything of the earth. 
Um, but I, I think you, uh, you and many of your, of your peers in the industry are honest and like no filter. You say it how it is. You're not putting a gilded, you know, not gilded, yeah, gilding no. the flower farming right. lifestyle. Cause that's, no, it's, um, you know, you're, you're not going to make money at yeah. it. You're not going to make a lot of money. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have to love it. Yeah. And you, I can tell you're still excited about it. I, I, I am. You know, I am. When I see a new flower, uh, a new method, a new idea. You get pumped. I do. Yeah. I do. That's cool. I love to work hard. I love that, you know, I love being out there when nobody else is and listening to the birds sing and cutting flowers and thinking about what kind of vase that the customer is going to put that in. You know, oh, it's just that whole yeah. thing. I, yeah. I, I just love that color, the fragrance, the... You know, it's yeah. A, I mean, it kind of grounds you uh, in the seasons as well that so many of us have forgotten about. And, um, yeah, it does. It does. It, it's you know, but it's it's a lot of work. It, it's just, but you know, it's it's, it's beauty your work. too. It's yeah. my work, and it's beautiful. Well, I love that you are already planning your getaway to Hawaii for at least one week. One week. My husband said we should go two weeks, and you said and that. I was I was absolutely petrified of being gone that long. Yeah. And um, I'm insistent that we go on a helicopter. I've never been on a helicopter, but we're going to be on Kauai. Okay. Um, an old friend, old, old, college roommate, old friend. She was in my wedding. She, uh, her mother lives on Kauai. And so we're going to be kind of staying there. And, oh, neat. Yeah. So um, I want to take a helicopter ride and around. I guess it's supposed to be just gorgeous. I bet. And then there are there are some... There's botanic small, gardens yeah. and you know and there's, a, um, there's actually a member of slow flowers on Kauai. i'm going to connect you with her oh, awesome yeah awesome and, um, well, i got to visit her, her oh that'd her be cool property and um you know when you go on vacation and you're a flower farmer you still want to look at flowers oh absolutely <laughs> constantly you know uh we were talking about the botanic garden the other day and i was saying how beautiful it is and you know we used to be members and I just, I love to go look at flowers. Like, yeah. walking in the cities, like, what are they putting together? You know, I just... Well, in Chicago, it's very flowered right it's now. It's very, very flowered. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, anything else I didn't ask you that you wanted to add to the podcast? Yeah. This has been amazing. It's been fun. Yeah. It's just been a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's um, be sure we get photos of Bright Flower Farm and you and your crew and your flowers, and we'll share them on the show notes. Uh, for today's episode at DebraPrincing.com and um, all your social places so people can find you. Okay, will do. <laughs> and um, if you're ever in the vicinity of Chicago and you need flowers, you need to reach out to Bright Flower Farm and, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, I can see a situation where someone was coming to do a wedding here. People would approach you. Do, do you, take I, you know, I have a, um, there's a customer um, in, she, I think she's in Southern California, She's done a couple of weddings out here because her roots are out here. And, um, yeah. I've and filled, she'll, she'll, you'll sell to her? I have. Awesome. Sold a full truck full. You know, we meet on uh, on 39 and 88. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Do the handoff. Yeah, do a handoff. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. It is. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jeannie. No, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed it so much. My pleasure.
thanks so much for joining me today. Well, traveling is often exhausting, but I found the past 10 days exhilarating and inspiring. From visiting flower farms, to spending time with floral designers, to promoting cutting gardens to my fellow communicators, it was all a packed week, but a rewarding one. Next up, I'll be attending the Southern Flower Symposium in Charleston, South Carolina, hosted by many Slow Flowers members and the core group called the Low Country Flower Growers. I'll join Rita Anders of Cuts of Color, a past guest of this podcast, to speak on flower farming, floral design, and my upcoming 2019 Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast. The symposium takes place August 26th and 27th, So check out links to learn how you can attend. I'll have those at my show notes. Last week's Midwest trip ended at the Garden Writers Association annual awards ceremony last Thursday night, where Slow Flowers took home two silver media awards for excellence in communications. I wanted to share that news with you because this podcast earned a silver award for broadcast programming. Your support of the Slow Flowers podcast is what keeps me going week in and week out. And what an honor to be recognized by my peers. And our one-year-old project, The Slow Flowers Journal, also received a silver award in the trade magazine category. It's a monthly commitment to write and produce 10 to 16 pages of original and relevant editorial content for my wonderful publishing partner, Florist Review. And receiving accolades from fellow members of the media is an endorsement that motivates me to keep going when deadlines loom. (laughs) Many of my dear friends, editors, and fellow gardening communicators took home silver and gold awards that night, and I encourage you to check out the awards link, which I'll have at today's show notes. I want you to see who they are and learn more about their work. This role as a Slow Flowers champion is one that fills me with gratitude, and I thank the entire community of flower farmers and floral designers, you. Together, we define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and I invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com homepage. The Slow Flowers podcast reached a milestone this week. We've been downloaded more than 350,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. And thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all our programs. Arctic Alaska Peonies, a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of Alaska, providing bigger, better peony flowers during the months of July and August. Visit them today at arcticalaskapeonies.com. Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. 
Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Mayesh Wholesale Florist, family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown program and label, provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org and the Team Flower Conference, a professional floral event where flower lovers from all over the world gather for networking, learning, and celebration. It's a special time for the floral industry to come together, and whether you're a farmer, designer, wholesaler, or you just love flowers, you're invited to attend as Team Flower dreams big for the floral industry's future. You can head to teamflower.com slowflowers to learn more about the 2019 conference in Waco, Texas. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.